Well, first of all, I just want to start out by thanking all of you guys that actually do serve to make Journey the Journey. Can you guys get, just give them a big round of applause? Um, I get to hear so many just amazing stories, whether I'm here or visiting our Boynton campus or even messages coming from church at home and people that serve and pray for people there. And it's just amazing to me that over and over again, people say as, they, as they're walking onto our, our properties in these moments to, to experience God, the, the number one thing they say is this, I felt warmth. Like I felt people actually cared about me and loved me, and you guys are just modeling that well. I just hope you understand something. I hope you realize the incredible impact that you're having on their lives. Before they ever listen to someone like me speak or us worship God, they have to get through all of these, you know, these people. And, and if they don't, if people don't really understand their love, if we don't demonstrate it, a lot of times people don't even care what I might have to say, right, or what, 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 what message we may teach. And you guys are making such a difference. I had the privilege to go to two of our student camps this summer and, and just watch the lives being impacted by all of these uh, the people that are volunteering and serving. And I just get to experience it firsthand with my son and children's ministry and get to invite my friends to church. I just saw a neighbor who came here and, and his whole life got changed. He got saved. And, like, it's just, it's just amazing to watch what you guys are doing. So you guys are crushing it. I love you guys that serve on our dream team. Thank you so much for all that you do. Amen? Amen. Well, it, it's good to be here and, and back you know, like teaching for a while here. I'm launching a, a series today called Made for More. And I'm so, so, so excited about it. And as always, I want to welcome our, our Boynton campus. It's been great to be over there the last few weeks and just uh, get to see some of you guys and all that God is doing there. And I'm really, I'm really excited about this series because I really believe that but when, you get, when we get into this, as we step into this, and I'll be with you the next four weeks doing this, that, that the understanding of what we're going to talk about has such a dramatic impact on your life and who you become. And all of us need to understand this. But to start out today, I, I want to kind of set this up by talking about something that happened a few weeks ago. So about, I'd say about three or four weeks ago, there was this image that was released by NASA. And it's kind of really cool. It's called the James Webb Telescope. And this telescope goes off into space and kind of gets this glimpse of the universe. And it's really kind of special and amazing. And so to kind of understand this and, and how this all connects, I want to just share a little bit about something that actually was on my heart as I was looking at these images. Before we do that and get to that image, I want to first show you an image of kind of like our own galaxy. It's called the Milky Way Galaxy. And I want you to kind of understand for a moment, like kind of what you were made for and kind of understand all of this. And to do this, we got to kind of look at the whole universe, like, like everything that's there and what you and I are actually a part of. And so in the Milky Way Galaxy, you realize we have the Earth. We kind of dwell there. Uh, it's 25,000 miles in circumference. And then we have our star, the sun, which unfortunately is working really, really well right now in South Florida. Um, and if you were to look at the size of things, right, like say our, our Earth is 25,000 miles in circumference. A lot of people don't realize that the sun is so big that and if you were to take the density of the Earth, you could fit 1.3 million Earths inside of our one sun. Like that's just like that, that. And by the way, that's just one star out of billions and billions of stars in our universe. And our star is only, our sun's only a mediocre kind of star. Uh, there are stars that are actually 2,000 times bigger than the sun. I'll let you do the math on how many Earths. We'll get into that because I can't even think that high, right? And so you've got this Milky Way galaxy with, by the way, billions of stars. Each of these stars on average more than 1.3 million times the size of our Earth. In fact, if you were to look at this galaxy and you were to go from here to here and you were to travel at the speed of light, 
which is 180, I think 6,000 miles per second, okay? So to kind of understand that in your head, because sometimes this helped me, that means you travel around the entire circumference of the earth seven times in one second. And if you were to start just in our one galaxy here and you wanted to go to the other side, traveling 186,000 miles a second, it would take you 100,000 years traveling at seven Earths a second, around seven times, every second, all the way across. Like, are, are you starting to get the glimpse of the size of the galaxy that we actually dwell in? Now, here's why I say this. Because the James Webb Telescope kind of went out, and they just sent it out on Christmas 2021, um, and they sent this out, and it's somewhere between, at times, a quarter million miles away, and at times, 500,000 miles outside, you know, above the Earth, and it's taking a snapshot of the universe. And so, uh, I think it was about three or four weeks ago, they got the first image back from over a year ago when they launched it out. They got the first image back of what kind of the universe looks like in a way we have never, ever seen before in all of human history. And it's all over the web. You probably have seen this picture. It's kind of cool. And this is kind of the picture uh, that was sent back of the universe that they could discover. And what's really kind of cool about this is if you look at all of these lights and you see them, your first star, uh, what beautiful stars. Except those aren't stars. Every one of those lights are actually other galaxies. So you have our galaxy, 100,000 you know, light years across with billions of stars and suns, which are 1.3 million times bigger than the earth. And every one of these dots, 100,000 light years, 100,000 light years, billions of stars, billions of stars, billions of stars, billions. Like you, you start to understand. And then it gets even crazier because they say, hey, oh, by the way, this snapshot, when it comes to the universe, it isn't the universe. In fact, if you were to take a grain of sand and put it on your finger and you were to look out at the universe, that's, that little grain of sand would be the equivalent of just those galaxies. And so you start to listen to this. You start to realize this. And there's a couple things that came to my mind as I was processing this. And the first thing that came to my mind is God is just so much bigger than we think he is. Right? Like he's, he's not like a bigger version of ourselves, is he? Like, whatever he did to build this, whatever he spoke, whatever bang he created, however God chose to do this, when you look at this ever-expanding universe, I think every one of these things are galaxies, not just solar systems, not stars, not just the earth, but galaxies, and that's a grain of sand amongst an entire sea of grains of sands, and you start to realize something, that God is other. Like, he is not like you and me. Like, like when we start to argue with God, anybody argue with God, by the way, because I do it all the time. God, I don't understand why you said that. God, I disagree with you on that. God, why do I have to do this? Like it's sometimes it's funny to find that we're arguing with the creator of the universe, which is mind-blowing. And by the way, when we, when we run into obstacles, right, and we pray to that God, how awesome is that our God built that universe, right? So, so on one hand, it was the idea of going, God, you're other, you're bigger, you're, you're, you're not like me. Yeah, you're, you're worthy of worship. And this is why everyone that even gets a glimpse of God or Jesus in his, in, in his glory or God, they're like, they, they fall to their faces, they were dead. God's like, you can't even look at me, you'll die because of the glory of who he is. And so on one hand, you go, wow, God, you're other. But here's the other side of this where I want to focus on. This is what I begin to think about. Man, do I feel insignificant. I mean, when you look at this and you go, I don't even know which one. I mean, our galaxy is probably not in this because we're looking at other galaxies, but like, that's our galaxy. 
amongst billions and billions of other galaxies. He's containing billions and billions of, plan, uh, of planets and solar systems and all of these things, the stars. And, and, and there's a moment you look at yourself and go, well, well, our galaxy is a grain of sand amongst all of this. And inside of our galaxy is the earth, which is a grain of sand in midst of the grain of sand. And on the earth, I'm a grain of sand within the midst of the grain of sand of the grain of sand of the grain of sand. And there's a moment in your life you look and you go, well, why am I even here? Like, have you ever found yourself, now I know sometimes we're just so busy trying to survive. Anybody there in your life right now, I'm just saying, and we're so busy trying to balance life and get ahead. But, but every once in a while, you have those moments where, where you, you're alone in your thoughts. You start to wonder, like, okay, the world is big. God is epic. The universe is beyond. By the way, the world is out of control. Do I matter? Like, and in, in, in I'm like one of what, seven billion people inside of this massive universe on this earth. And, and there's a moment in life sometimes where we start to wrestle with the reality. Do, do I matter? Is, is my life, well, do I value? Is there purpose? Is, is there meaning? And, and the reason why I say this is it's not, just, it's not just from this like philosophical kind of place where you're like, oh man, what's the meaning of life? Here, pass it. No, what, what I'm saying is... <laughs> Sorry, that's a bad example. I won't, I won't use that second service. That's bad. Sorry. I've been on vacation. It's sometimes a little crazy. But no, what, what I'm saying is like, I'm not talking about just sitting back with your college friends wondering the meaning of life. What I'm saying, I want you to see this. Listen to this. Sorry, it was my fault. I'll take responsibility. I'm going to get plenty of emails for that. Thank you very much. Sometimes you don't script everything. Sometimes just things come out. But here we go. But, but here's what I'm, why I'm saying this. Because do you realize that this understanding of do you matter or not actually has an incredible impact on your life? In fact, what I'm saying is that they, they've done studies on this reality that when someone in this world doesn't feel like it matters, it impacts everything. And I say that because we're actually in our secular educational system, in the public school system, we're actually teaching children, by the way, hey, just so you know, there was some big, big explosion billions of years ago, and somehow this ordered perfectly universe just showed up. Oh, and by the way, then after that, there was this chemical reaction, then you became a monkey, and then you became a human being. There's no real purpose to your life, but listen, I just want you to go out there and, you know, do your best. And I'm serious. And so we have, a, we have a generation that has been growing up as what's becoming this post-Christian generation in our world. We have a generation that's been taught and growing up where you really don't necessarily have a purpose. You just identify whatever you want to identify with and do whatever you want, you, whatever you feel you are, because there isn't really a foundation of that. And here's what they've discovered, is that when people don't know their purpose, it impacts everything of their life. And when people begin to understand why they are here, like, what is their purpose in life? It changed everything. In fact, they've done so many studies. They showed it's linked to happiness. Like, in other words, they said, it's, it's funny. When people don't have a purpose to life, they can't be happy. It's just shocking. You don't even need to do a study for that one, by the way. Let me save you millions of dollars. They found that when people have purpose, by the way, it lowers their stress hormones. See, there's something about knowing that you're here for something bigger than yourself and more and that you matter that makes those little challenges in life feel smaller when you realize you're part of something bigger. They've done, they've done a study that showed it lowers cholesterol, which is kind of a neat thing, helps you lose weight. See, there you go. That can help some of you right there. I don't even need a diet. I just want to tell you you have a purpose and you can you know, do whatever you want. Um, it begins to help you have in, in inflama um, inflammation in your body, actually reduces. But these are crazy. See, these are scientific studies that when people have this, this purpose, it's just something 
something happens in them. By the way, people that understand or believe they have a purpose in life actually have become wealthier. They're more successful when it comes to this world. In fact, when it comes to students, they found when students begin to, when you begin to introduce into students and they identify with I matter in this world, their grade point average went up. Their self-control went up, meaning they can now control these emotions. Why? Because I'm fighting for something because I matter. It does matter what I do in my life. Not only that, now their, 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 uh, their study habits went better. Their, 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 their sense of depression went down. In other words, when people discover that they matter in this world, it changes who they are. It changes the success and the joy and everything that they do. And here's why this is important. Because you do matter. And you're not an accident. And we like to say this at Journey, you were actually created on purpose for a purpose. I'm not just saying that because my pastor is supposed to be nice to you. I'm not saying that just because like your mom tells you you're the best in the team when you're not. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this, this is because God said this. And I want you to realize that the creator of the, this universe and those stars and the solar system, Jesus told us that he actually knows the hairs on your head. That he says, I, I want you to come pray to me. That I have your future and every day of it actually mapped out, right? But from the day you were born and created, I, I've been a part of your life. And what I want you to understand is that what's so beautiful about this world is to understand is that you do matter. You were made for more than just eating food and going to work. And then you get older, stop eating food because you lose, you know, to try to lose weight. And then you go from like, you know, dieting to doctor's appointments from 40 to 80 and then you die. Like there is more to life than these things. And so in this series, what my heart really is, is I wanna to begin to walk you through over the next few weeks, and I wanna to begin to help you understand, well, why am I here? Like, why, why did the God that created the universe and the earth and the, all this stuff, and you look at the majesty of it, why would he bother? Who am I that God would actually be mindful of me, as one person in the scripture writes? Like, why do you matter? Why would Jesus die for you? Why does God know the hairs on your head? Why does he want you to have a conversation with him? What were you created for? And so what I want to walk through, because it's more than one purpose, we're going to be looking at your different purposes of why God created you over these next few weeks in my heart, especially those of you in our high school and middle school, you need to understand why God created you, because you do matter, and your life matters, and where you're going matters, and it's just such an important thing for us to understand. And so today what I want to do is I'm going to start out all of this by talking about your first and greatest purpose. I'm going to talk about the primary reason that you exist right now, what it was, the heart behind God actually creating man kind, listen to this, in his image, why in the world would he do it? I want you to see this, because this is the foundation of all your other purposes. And if you skip over this, all the other purposes won't make sense unless you understand at the heart of it, why did God create you? Why in the world was God in the heavens goes, I want to create them in my image. I want to create an earth for them. I want a relationship. Why in the world would he do it? And let me tell you the first and primary, most important image of your purpose at all. And here's this, ready? See, the primary purpose for your existence is to be loved by God and to love God. Like, I want you to see this. This is me saying this. I'm going to show you scriptures, by the way, where God declares this. So I'm going to prove that point, not just from my opinion, by the way. It's what I feel God says. No, I want you to see this is actually what God says. Because too often in our lives, we, we've grown up in a religion and in church and even our own mindset, we create this imagery of God where, no, 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 no. See, we were created by God to serve him. 
Like that's the purpose. God wanted servants to do all this work for him. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good work. So we were created to serve or we were created to worship God. And I will say this, we were, God, is it a good thing in a response to God's love that we worship and serve him? Yes, but I'm gonna tell you, those were not the primary reasons he created you. Are they part of your, yeah, but they're not the primary. Here's why, listen to this. One day someone walked up to Jesus and they asked him this very powerful question. And in this question, Jesus answers and reveals your primary purpose. And you see this, and here's what happens. They go, hey, Jesus, here's what I want to know. Like your dad, you know, the Father, God, here's what I want you to know. So, so, so what's the most important thing to him? So your creator is the basically asked, what is the most important thing? What does he want most from you? What's the greatest of all commandments? What's the heart of God for your life above everything else? And what does Jesus say? Look at his answer. Jesus replied, it's to what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first, and by the way, this is the greatest of all of the commandments that God has for you. Isn't it interesting that in God's response to what it is he wants more than else, it's not an act of service. It's a relationship of love. That, that, that this moment is so powerful. Why? Because think about this. Like, if God wanted you and created you to be his servants, like, read the Bible. He's got angels, by the way, hundreds of millions of them that we know of that, that do his bidding and his beck and call, and they're a lot more powerful than you. They can fly around. They, they, in the Bible, they wipe out armies. They can heal. They do all these things. Like, like these, these angels have, like, if he wanted servants, he could have done a lot better than us. Like we go to CrossFit and we have like injured backs. Angels are wiping out armies with rocks. It's like, that's not why he created you. Like read the Bible too about worship. Yeah, does God love him? We honor him, absolutely. But, but you read the Bible, there are hundreds of millions of angels. Look at Revelation, I think it's four or five. And they're crying out, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with your splendor. He's getting worshiped all the time. So what I want us to process, so why did he create you? Because at the end of the day, I want you to hear this. And if you don't hear anything else in this series or anything else in life, this is one of the most important foundational truths of your life. He created you to be your father, to love you. He created you to be a child, not a servant. And the primary reason for your creation is because God actually wanted to pour out his love into your life, and he wanted and desired above all else for you to return that love to him. That is the primary reason that you were created. And this is all throughout the scriptures. In fact, listen to this. I want you to look at all these reasons listed, what God has done to, to have this relationship with you. And I want you to notice this because parents are relate to this. I want you to know how much you're going to see you do for God and how much you see God pouring out everything to you. Because every parent knows one thing. It's a one-sided relationship. Amen? <laughs> And we pour out and we pour out and we pour out. But listen, I want you to see this because this is what the early church understood. This is what Jesus was introducing to the world that he understood who his father is. And I want you to see in God's word, him talking about this desire more than anything else is to be in this love relationship with you. It's not centrally service. It's not centrally to worship. Listen to what it is. Here it is. Um, or There we go. Even before he made the whole world, or you could put the universe, right? All that magical, incredible solar system. God, what? Loved us and chose us to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God says, listen, when I'm gonna establish, I built all this to be in relationship with you. I 
built this earth so that we could interact. Adam and Eve, God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, entered into relationship with them. I created them in my image to be in relationship with me. I even view them as a parent sees without fault in your eyes. You ever notice how people's parents can somehow see the, oh, my, my daughter, she is such a catch. Oh, she's not. I'm in a lot of trouble today. I better. <laughs> but, but you see, so I love this imagery. So what did he say? Hey, I want you to, I built all of this because I wanted you to serve. I, I needed some people, some maids and servants to take care of like the plants and the animals. No, no, I did it because I, what? Because God loved you. In fact, look at this next part. I love this. Listen to this. God decided in advance, what's that word? To adopt. He wanted children, not slaves us into his own family by bringing us to him through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. What is this? And it gave him, and I love this word, it gave him great what? God says, here's what I wanted from you. I wanted to adopt you to be my child. Like I wanted, I wanted to be your dad. And listen to this, and I, here's the difference between adoption and conception, right? See, when you have a child, you can't choose them. You got what you got. When you adopt, you knew everything about them and you still chose them. And I love that what he's talking about is, here, here, here's my heart, guys. I, I, I adopted you because I wanted a relationship. I, I adopted you because I wanted a family, not slaves. I wanted a relationship, not a religion. And the ultimate thing that I want to be is I wanted to be your father. Like, I, I think sometimes we miss this, right? Like, there's this idea when we talk about God, we only talk about, like, the first part we talk about today. Look at the majesty and the holiness. He's awesome. He's, you know, great. And, and we're sinners. And then there's the other side of him. He's like, yeah, but I want you to know. But the reason he created you and he looked at you faultless in his eyes, he even sent Jesus to die for you, is because the end day, he did everything to be what? To adopt you and to be your dad. The Bible says we call out and we cry out, Abba, Father, Abba. In, the, in, the, um, in Aramaic, was the way you say Dada. So he's like, I want you to be like this child that's an infant looking up to me. And I desire this relationship with you. And then notice what he says next. And what? So we praise God. What is our praise? It's the response to his love. See, we weren't created to do it. We were created to be in this love relationship. But when you know who God is and you realize the majesty and glory and honor and love and grace, what the natural response is, I want to praise this God. I want to honor this God. For the glorious, notice the word. Notice, remember we talked about parents pouring out. Notice this. For the glorious grace he's poured on you. Right? Because he forgives us a thousand times we don't deserve it. And every parent says amen. We know that, right? who belong to his son. He is so rich in his kindness and his grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his own son and, and to forgive us of our sins. And so he bought us with this price. He has showered his kindness on us along with all of his wisdom and understanding. And I love this image. You're seeing this idea of God not being this like this deity to just be bowed and to be served, but, but he's actually this father who's showering love on his kids. He's his father going, hey, I want to shower you with kindness. Look, look at all this world. I'm going to create you. I'm going to do all these things. Hey, look, at, look, I'm actually, when you mess up, I'm at, you kind of, when you mess up and you begin to sin, you begin to get authority under my, you know, the enemy, Satan. I'm going to buy you back from him by purchasing my blood. Hey, I'm going to set up a whole relationship based upon this faith, not about your works. I don't want you to live like exhausted trying to please me. I just want you to, to be in this relationship with me. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to give you all of this wisdom because I built that universe, right? And I know how everything works and I'm going to, I'm going to give you my wisdom. 
wisdom and I'm going to help you navigate life and help you flourish. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and shower all of these things on you. And I love that word because the word there is abundance. It's like lavishing. And it's like he's just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. Here's why. Is he, is he doing that for servants? Do people die for servants? Do people pour everything they have for servants? No, but they do for children. And I love the fact that when you see this demonstration of God, God's like, I created you in my image. And the reason why I created you in my image is not, is not just so that you could serve me. It's so that you can be loved by me and you could, once again, love me. This is why you were created. In fact, let me, let me say it like this. Um, I, I was processing this, and I was thinking about all of this, and I was trying to go, well, how can I understand? Like, how can we? Because it's so ingrained in us, isn't it? This idea that God is this God that we just like will smite us or, you know, hey, you just, we better obey or else. We better just walk and serve. And if we do enough, maybe we earn his love and affection. And maybe, you know, that's what it is. And so, so I started thinking to myself, so, so how can I help people understand like this idea that God created you, your primary purpose is actually to be in a relationship with him and to love him and to be loved by him. And by the way, he's actually doing more of the loving and pouring out than we actually do to him. Right? It's not even a fair relationship, just for the record. And I started asking myself questions. Here's, a, here, here's, here's, here's the question I started to ask. Why, why, why did you want to create life in your image? Like for those of you that had children and one day want children, I get that. My question is, why, why did you want to give birth? Why did you want to have a child? Here, here's the question. Like, or why do you think someone wants a child? What was the motive? Here's what I want you to give us the heart. Like as you sat down and made that decision as a couple and said, hey, we're ready. We want to have this child. What was the purpose? And here's what I want you to think, right? What was the purpose to creating life in your image? Now let's think about this logically for a moment. Did you sit there and you go, you know, hey, you know, this has been great. We've been married for a while. We've been traveling the world and we've watched all these great Netflix shows, right? And we've had, we just go out to dinner every one. We do whatever we want whenever we want to do it. This is amazing. And, and said, but, but wouldn't it be nice, like, if we just had some, like, full-time live-in servant to do everything for us? Like, it'd be great. We just ring a bell, they get us food, they get us dinner, they mow the yard, they clean the house. Like, this would be just amazing. But, but instead of hiring someone, I got a better idea. Why don't we just make one? Like, it's great. You'll just have a, we'll just have a baby. You'll be pregnant. It's a few months. You'll be uncomfortable. It's not a big deal, right? We'll just have this baby. Little bit of childbirth pain, but not that big a deal, right? It's a small sacrifice for you, for us to have a servant, right, for the rest of our lives. This is going to be awesome. So, hey, let's go ahead and have this baby, and then it'll be great. I know, like, six months, you know, we're not going to sleep. It's going to be great. Like, we're going to be sleepless night, and in our house, entire house, is going to smell like a men's locker room. It's going to be wonderful, right? We'll change dirty diapers. I know that. We won't sleep. We won't have a lot of friends for a while actually either because we'll be like at their beck and call every moment and we're gonna we're gonna walk through the terrible twos together be, they'll say no and mine constantly more than anything else It'll be great we can watch elmo for hours it's gonna be so exciting you're gonna love it it's gonna be just this powerful moment it's gonna be great i'm telling you it'd be great and then then what can happen we, we can we can go through the teenage years and you know how great teenagers are they're wonderful to be around and then what's gonna be awesome about this is we can be their chauffeur and it's like a full-time job so we'll split that up I'll take half and you take half. We'll just run them to every sport that they're not real great at, but, but we're gonna run them to all of these things. It's gonna be wonderful. And then we'll let them borrow the car and they won't you know, return it with you know, empty gas and we'll pay all that insurance. And we'll feed them for 18 years, buy them all this clothing, maybe or maybe not pay for their college. It'd be great. Then after college, if they can't find a job, we'll move them back in, right? 
Like, this is gonna be amazing because we're gonna do all of this. It's gonna be awesome. And we're gonna do all of this because, hey, they're gonna cut the yard for us. Like, this could be awesome. Like, we want dinner. We're just going to write a list. They're going to make us dinner. Like, this is going to be, we're going to just sit back and be served by our children. For those of you who don't have children yet, that's not how it works, just for the record. <laughs> so let's get back to the heart of the matter. Why, why did you want a child? What was the heartbeat that went into that planning and all the sacrificing? You, why is it? Because at the end of the day, what was it? Did you want a servant? Or, or did you want this being created in your image that you could love with every part of your being. That you would love this child more than any capacity of love that you ever had before in your life. That the moment that child comes out and you hold that child and it is basically worthless, it can do nothing. <laughs> it will suck every ounce of your sleep, life, money, and energy. <laughs> and yet you know at that moment you would die for that child. You would give your life for them. You, you know that moment when they reach up their hands and say, Daddy or Mommy, or they want to be hugged when they're hurt and they're crying and, and you, you comfort them and they run to you. When they draw you those little awful drawings you tell them are amazing <laughs> and you lie to your children because <laughs> it's cheaper than counseling later if you told them the truth. And you get, you get so excited because it's Christmas time, right? And you're, you're, you're like all ready to go. And you're like, I can't wait to buy them this present that they're going to not even use in three weeks. But it's going to be amazing. They're going to be so happy. And, and I'm going to stand at light and stand in line and target to get this present. And if you're really desperate, maybe Walmart, you'll stand in line. But either way, you, you go ahead and you, by the way, I love Walmart. I get a lot of my clothes at Walmart. But it's just a side joke. But, um, but like, like you do this because somehow on the other, you, you save up, you spend all this money, you put it on the credit card, and you can't wait to see their face, like tear open that present, knowing they didn't get you anything at all for Christmas. <laughs> they didn't even think about you. And that your spouse made them draw you a card with some picture on, and that's your happy, there you go, Merry Christmas, Dad. Because you can't wait to throw a ball with them. And pray they don't love the Patriots. You can't wait to, to walk her down the aisle. You, you can't wait to see that graduation cap. You can't wait to see that young man become a man and, and go out in this world and make this world a better place and, and go, go come over all. You can't wait to give them grace, the 8,000 failures along the way. You know, because why? Because at the end of the day, you created that child not to be your servant. Because at the end of the day, you wanted to pour your love out into a being created in your image. And what you want more than anything else in this world is for that being that you created to love you in return. Do you see the heart of God? See, I love this verse, and it's such a powerful verse because it says, see, what, what great love the, the Father has lavished on us that, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And I love the image of God. Like, I want you to understand something that like, what I want you to see yourself as this child. I want you to see me as your dad who's lavishing this love upon you. And I want you to see, do you see the heart of God? See, I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to serve him. Like, what, it, it, what, could you imagine how awesome it'd be to come home and your kids are like, mom and dad, I know you had such a busy week, so we cleaned the house and, and we did the yard and we made dinner for you. And, and some of like, kids do that? No, actually they don't. But, um, but, but what I would say, like, do we love when they serve? Yeah, but is that why we created them? No. 
Do we love it when our kids go, hey, we saved up money to buy this special card or the special jewelry or this, you know, whatever it is that you, you, your parents love? And we, we, do we love acts of generosity? Yeah. But did we create them for that? Do, do we love when they get to that point in their life and they go, mom and dad, you were so much wiser than I ever gave you credit and I was wrong for like 18 years and you were right the entire time and I'm so sorry. But that's not why we created them. We actually created them and I want you to see this. Listen to this. We, we created them because at the end of the day, we knew all of the drama and all the pain and all the selfish and all the phase and all the emotions and the hormones and all the things and yet we wanted to love them with everything that we have and give them the best life that we could. And what we want more than anything else is for them to return that love and be in this love relationship. Here's my question to you. So why do we have such a hard time seeing God as a father? Why is it that we have so ingrained in our mind that what is my purpose? And it's an action, not a relationship. Why is it that when it comes to this relationship with God above all else, we have this, we, it is such a wrestle for us to actually rest in this reality that even though I'm broken, even though I don't always get it right, yeah, does every parent want their child to do the right thing? Absolutely, that they're not going to all the time. But why is it so hard for us to see a God that goes, what I want more than anything else is actually your love and to love you? How else can we explain the prodigal son? Like Jesus is telling the story of his dad, and he goes, let me tell you about my dad, okay? My dad's like this, this guy, this father has a son, and the son goes, dad, I wish you were dead. I want all your money, and then I'm gonna run off to a foreign land. I'm gonna blow all of my money on like you know video games and stupid things I don't need and drugs and alcohol. I'm gonna completely blow up my life, and then I'm gonna come back going, I have nowhere else to go. I'm gonna go home to my dad, and I stink, and I smell, and I'm dirty, and I messed everything up, and there is this dad running like this little kid with his arms wide open, hugging this dirty, broken child who who told him he wishes he's dead and he wanted all that, who blew life and is throwing a party and celebrating, go, my son who was dead is now alive and returned home to me. Because that's a father. That's a good father, by the way. I know maybe your father might not be like that, and I'm so sorry if you didn't have the kind of dad that maybe I grew up with that demonstrated God's love in my life, and I wish and prayed that every one of you could have that, and I pray that every one of you will be that. But I want you to see, not your father, I want you to see God as this father where Jesus is telling the story going, yeah, because I didn't create servants. I didn't die for servants. I didn't throw a party for servants. I did it because you're my child and my image and I created you first and foremost to love you and to be loved by you. And that is why. This is why, by the way, as, as we continue to walk down, you, you see not only that, this, this is why um, Jesus went to a cross. Like, do you think really someone's gonna give their life up for someone who's a servant? Here's what I really, I want you to serve me and just sing songs to me and it's all about serving me. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go like die on a cross for you. This is why Jesus, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What do you want more than anything else, God? And God says, here's what I want more than anything else. It's, it's a relationship of love, not an act of service. Because at the end of the day, this is why I created you. And my heartbeat as we walk through this is that we begin to understand this because foundational to life, when you get this, everything else falls into line. 
See, all of a sudden, prayer is not just this religious duty. I'm out of prayer. God's mad. No, it's like this conversation with a father. A father, by the way, who already knows what you need, but is really cool because your father created universes, by the way, and breathed stars into existence and has over hundreds of millions of very powerful angels that are at his disposal to serve him. And so it's kind of neat because you're like having this conversation with a dad who can do anything. See, 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 but it's this love relationship. It's this invitation for a dad who goes, I just, I just love when my son, my youngest is here in the front row, and I love when Thomas comes to me, Dad, I just want to tell you about something. I, I want to share. Why? Because, see, see, all of a sudden, when love relationship is the, the key, then all of a sudden that prayer is like this conversation. Serving. It's like, okay, wow, my dad has done everything for me. So I'm not serving him to earn his love. He already loves me. I'm not serving him out of this duty. If I gotta do it, it's like, wow, man, when you love someone and they love you and you're like, okay, here's what I'm doing, Dad. I just went and said hi to someone. I just led a small group. I just went out and gave up an hour of sleep to make a difference in someone's life. God, I did that. Not because I, not because like you told me I had to do it because I love you and that's kind of my expression of love. That's why when we worship and we're, we're sharing with God and speaking the realities of his glory and his nature and his love and his, his grace, it's not, see, see, when it's this love relationship, it's like we're, we're honoring our dad who is worthy of honor. And, and when you begin to understand this reality and you begin to understand this, this concept and this idea that you were primarily created on purpose, for a purpose, for this relationship with God first. Is it the only thing? No, we're gonna look at other purposes, right? Absolutely. You didn't create your children to sit and like cuddle all the time for 18 or 40 years. You created them and you wanted them to go out in the world and make a difference, absolutely, but it's also not the only, that's not the primary reason. See that? You want them to be awesome people, but that wasn't the primary reason. The primary reason is, is you were created to be loved by God and to love him. Is that you were not created, listen to this, you were not created as a servant to serve God. You were created as a child to love him and to be loved by him. And my heart as we step into this series is we realize that first and foremost, that is what God wants for you. And so right now, both of our camps, what I'm gonna do is I just want everyone to kind of bow their heads for a moment. And I want us, because I know this is a wrestle for us, what I want us to do is begin to process this for a moment, going, hey, when I think of God, and I think of why I'm created, by the way, this is why you can have everything in the world. You can have all the money, the power, the influence, the followers, but you will never truly find peace without that relationship with your Father. Why? Because that's why you were created. It's your literal purpose, not what you do, but the relationship that you have with God. And my heart, as we just kind of take some moments to worship, I just want us to end this with reflection as well. To begin to go, God, what, can you just help me see? Can you help me accept this truth you proclaimed as my truth? Will you help me see myself the way you see me? As a child to be loved, not simply a servant to obey and to serve. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for modeling this. Thank you so much. For wanting to create us, to be with us. Sometimes I know who I am and I, I don't understand why you would choose me. But God, in your love and your grace, your affection, God, thank you for being that story that Jesus told in the prodigal son. And God, I just pray that people just begin to understand how valuable they are, how much love you have for them, what a desire you have to be in conversation and relationship with them. 
And may that foundation be what drives everything in our life that we were created for primarily to be loved by you and to love you. God, you're such a good dad. You're such an amazing father. Thank you for loving us like this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.